Blog Talk Radio. The following show is a proud member of the ShowDoc Network. Learn more about this show and other great shows by logging on to ShowDoc.com. This week's episode of the Sports Docket is being sponsored by Blog Talk Radio, System Showdown. And by Dancing with the Stars, Ocho Cinco can sure move it on the dance floor. What's on your docket? Welcome to the sports docket with Ace Man and the Quas. Tune in to hear their take on New York sports to see if their teams make the grade. Presented by ShowDoc.com. Live from Lynbrook in Syracuse, New York, this is the Sports Docket Radio Show with Ace Man and the Quas. Time to talk New York sports. Hello and welcome to the Sports Docket on Blog Talk Radio. This is episode 59 for Tuesday, May 11, 2010. I'm coming to you live tonight from Boca, New York. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Ethan Klossman. In a couple of moments, I'm talking about the Giants' picks and NFL draft in a roundtable with Jeff Scholl, blog talk radio host of the Houston Sports Connection and Bleacher Report, and Bleacher Report writer, as well as Joe Fortenball of the National Football Post. At the top of the hour, hear me also discuss this dynamic draft with Paul Graziano of G-Men HQ. During the show, we want to hear from you on the phone lines as we'll Taking questions when guests are on are on as well. You can call us at one six four six four seven eight five one one eight. You may have to press one to get in the caller queue. And if you want to message your query, you can aim myself at go talk to Cross. In addition, you can also leave us a voicemail, send us a text during off show hours by calling or texting us at three one five four nine seven show. That's three one five four nine seven seven four six nine. Be sure to text or say SD or sports docket before your text or call. So tonight we're going to break down the Giants' picks in the draft and how they stack up against the rest of the NFL. Right after our Giants talk, this week, this week's doctor will also discuss the Mets, Yankees, NBA postseason, and the Stanley Cup playoffs. On this, at this point, I'd like to welcome to the doctor Joe Fortenball, the National Football Post. Joe, thanks for joining us tonight. It's my pleasure, Ethan. Thanks for having me. How's everything going with you? It's going pretty good. And also joining us right now, a part of this roundtable, is Jeff Shaw of the Bleach Report. Jeff, thanks for coming on. Thanks a lot for having me. All right, so let's uh, get right to the questions. Uh, we'll start with you, Joe, here. Before anything else, let's start with this. Uh, how would you grade the uh, Giants' picks overall in this draft? You know, I was a little surprised that, <clears throat> excuse me, that they, they didn't get as high of a grade from other media members as, as they did. I thought they did extremely well. I think they addressed a lot of needs. I think when you look at the team, they're, they're very, they did a nice job on offense last year. Eli Manning had one of, the, one of his best statistical seasons. And on defense, they did exactly what they were looking for. They, they went in and added yet another pass rusher. They addressed the middle linebacker position in Philip Dillard. They got a great pick in safety, Chad Jones from LSU. He's one of my favorite players from this year's draft. You know, and they, and they made a, a few other moves. Linval Joseph, I thought, was outstanding. He, he's a little bit more of a boomer bust. But, 
you know, I, I think they addressed a lot of their needs. They upgraded that defensive unit. They got some guys that can come in and rotate, and they add some depth. And I think overall they did a very nice job in terms of what they were looking for and what they needed to address. Yeah, and we'll, we'll, we'll move over to Jeff now. Um, you mentioned uh, the defensive picks uh, that the Giants have taken in this draft. Uh, Jeff, what do you think uh, Jason Pierre-Paul brings to the table for Big Blue? Um, well, I think they drafted him purely because of his upside and the fact that he's so raw and he's still improving. He has a lot of room for improvement. Uh, he's only played football since his junior year of high school and played only one season of FBS ball, yet still had the tools and measurables to be a first-round pick. And they can really just um, make him make him the best player he can be behind Tuck and Kiwanuka and O.C., just have him as a spot pass rusher, much like Tuck was when he was a rookie. And they even rushed from the three-technique in college uh, so the Giants could potentially have him, Tuck, Kiwanuka, and Osi on the field at the same time in third and long, so uh, which is going to be a scary thought for opposing quarterbacks. Great point there. And um, now it seems like you guys are both uh, highly praising of the Giants' uh, picks in this draft. Uh, we'll start with Joe here and then go over to Jeff. Uh, do you think the Giants fell short in this draft at all? No, I don't think so. I think it would have been nice if McLean had fallen to them uh, in the first round. I know that they were really looking to upgrade at the middle linebacker position since losing Antonio Pierce, but I think Phillip Dillard's uh, was a, was underrated and a, and a pretty good steal for them later in the draft. So they did make a move there. Um, I think maybe the offensive line, they're starting to get up there in age if they had gotten someone. I know Mitch Petras is a nice pick, a real strong guy, but um, – you know, outside of that, I think they did a real nice job. Like I said before, they're they're already very explosive on offense and very well balanced. They've got all those positions pretty much taken care of. Had they upgraded the O line a little bit, um, maybe they could have done that. But outside of that, I, I don't think they fell short at all. Yeah, that's a great point there, Jeff. Do you think they fell short in this draft, or going to sort of share the optimism with Joe here? I, uh, I didn't really think they fell short, especially in terms of what they addressed their own needs as. You know, we can sit back and speculate all we want, but the truth of the matter is, is they know better than we do what their real needs were. But from an outside perspective, I thought they really could have gotten a running back in the later rounds, someone with some speed who could possibly help in the return game. Uh, with all three of the running backs coming off of injuries from last year, I just thought that was way too much uncertainty to not take one. Um, I would have been pretty upset if they had done it early on, but later on I really thought they were going to go after a running back. But uh, that could have been just a bit of product of the fact that the running back class was so weak this year. Great point. Now, of course, the NFC East is always one of the most toughest divisions during the regular season. Um, I'll start with Jeff and then go over to Joe. Uh, how do you think uh, the Giants' picks rack up against the other teams in this division, especially now considering that the Redskins have McNabb? Well, I mean, being as objective as I can, I really liked the Cowboys' selections, especially early on. I think they upgraded their offense tremendously with Des Bryant so long as he stays out of trouble because it's becoming pretty obvious that Roy Williams is not the type of player that they're going to want to put as the number one wide receiver in Dallas anymore. And Sean Lee I had really high from Penn State. The only problem with him is that he's coming off some knee injuries. He's got knee problems. And if he can overcome those, yeah, I'm sure he can step in and be a little middle linebacker in a 3-4 scheme. And they've already shown that they really think highly of him when they traded away Bobby Carpenter, a uh, former first-round pick in Ohio State. Um, and the Eagles and Redskins, I thought, did a much worse job than the Giants. The Redskins, surely because of lack of picks, but I actually did like the Trent Williams pick. I think he's going to be a good replacement for Chris Samuels. And the Eagles really 
through um, was like the first kind of crazy pick of the draft. Everyone assumed they were going to take Earl Thomas when they traded up for the Broncos pick, and they took Brandon Graham, who I really don't think they needed him. They should have taken Earl Thomas. They still haven't filled the void since Brian Dawkins left. So overall, I think the Giants stacked up really well against the teams in the division. Great point, Joe. Do you think the Giants uh, uh, play their part in this draft? In terms of the NFC East, I'd put them at one or two right now. Washington did a nice job. They grabbed Trent Williams, but they didn't have enough picks to really make an impact. So it's, I know you can include Donovan McNabb in that because they went ahead and traded away a pick, but in terms of solely what they did during the three days of making selections, I wouldn't have them too high. I'd have to put it between New York and Philly. I think New York was more efficient. I think they're going to get more bang for, for out of their buck, more bang per buck for each pick they made. Philly just had so many picks, and I, I feel that they missed on a few of them. But they had so many picks that they were able to come away with enough guys that this draft class looks very good. They upgraded a, a lot on defense. You know, they made a lot of the moves that they needed. They got younger. It goes along with the great core talent that they've already got. The Dallas move, I, I was very interested to see the team had a real pressing need at safety, and with a, one of the deepest safety classes I've ever seen, they didn't go out and get one of them. And I was a little bit surprised by that. I know they like Des Bryant. He really upgrades the offense and gives Tony Romo another weapon. But, you know, with a pressing need out there, I'm, I'm kind of surprised they didn't make a move to get at least one of those safeties that's on the board. So I figure it would be Philly 1, New York 2 at this point, Dallas 3, Washington 4. Right now on the Sports Talk, I'm joined by Joe Fordenbaugh of the National Football Post and Jeff Show of Bleach Report. Uh, now getting over to the uh, ownership and management and those dynamics of this draft, uh, do you think that uh, Jerry Reese and Tom Coughlin were confident enough with their offensive weapons to have a more defensively-minded draft, as you guys mentioned, or was this mostly uh, a product of the core of players coming out of college? Uh, we'll start with Joe here. Um, I, I think... Jerry Reese and Tom Coughlin generally do a real nice job. I think there's a lot of guys that they've picked over the last few years that, and this goes back to the Ernie Accorsi days as well, but Reese was a member of that organization that, you know, they, they've hit on. They've done a nice job always on the defensive side of the football, getting guys like Osu Minora, Matthias Kiwanuka, you know, a lot of players that have really stepped up for them over the years. Offensively, they've done a great job building the offensive line. Steve Smith stepping into the role and becoming a great wide receiver. Eli Manning is obviously a franchise quarterback. So, you know, I, it's tough to, to criticize them in any regard in terms of the way they evaluate talent because a lot of their picks have come through. A, a lot of the guys are, are still on the team and have con contributed and made plays. And, you know, it's a team that is almost always in the playoffs. They're a few years removed from a Super Bowl win. So it's tough to criticize. And I think this was another year where they looked at some holes that they had. They looked at their problems from last year, which – you know, I had a chance to speak with Tom Coughlin at the Combine in Indianapolis, and he was adamant that defense was the number one concern with this team right now, and I think they went out and addressed those problems. Yeah, uh, Jeff, what you kind of say is along the same lines there? Um, I'm just going to add a couple of things. Yeah, I, I agree. They, they were definitely confident up in their offensive production from last year. Uh, like Joe said, they had, Eli had one of his best. He had his best career year, and um, just it was a product of both 2009 and the, the fact that the offense was doing so well in 2009, the 2009 draft, the first four, four of the first five picks were offensive players. So they did much of the same this year, except on defense, because that was the major concern. And I don't know. I just think when you when you watch the videos after the draft, they showed Jerry Reese and Tom Coughlin on Giants.com. 
um, right after the draft. They just said that the defense was their main priority, and it was pretty evident taking one offensive player and then a punter. So, yeah, they were definitely confident in their weapons. And I think a lot of players are going to come in this year who didn't get a chance to start last year, like Travis Beckett and Ramses Martin. They're going to come in and, and just off, offer more red zone weapons for Eli and have an even better year. So they just definitely need to upgrade the defense. And that was their top priority, and they addressed that. Mm-hmm. And, Joe, you mentioned uh, Yuma Yuri there. And lately it seems like there have been more rumors about O.C. Yuma Yuri than Justin Bieber. Uh, what do we know about the uh, current status of Yuminura with Big Blue, and how much of an impact uh, should we expect from uh, Yuminura in 2010? You know, they want to keep him. Uh, like like any organization, you're always you always need to be proactive and willing to listen to any offers because a great one could always be out there. Or if you've got multiple teams that are interested, you can kind of start a bidding war and you can come out on top. And I think that that was a situation New York was in at one point, but I think they've realized now that. They're not going to get the deal they want. They're, uh, you know, the value just isn't there. And this is a team that if you look at them the last few years, they love the idea of having all of these moving parts at the defensive end and defensive tackle position. They love being stacked up front and having the ability for four quarters to shuffle these guys in and out and, and, and to keep bringing pressure. They want In the fourth quarter, they want their guys fresh so that they're able to get after the quarterback and make plays. And, and that's something New York's done very well over the last few years. Struggled a little bit last year, but, you know, when you think Giants defense, you think pressure, you think aggressive, you think big, stout in the middle. And, uh, you know, I, I think what Yulman Yora does, by keeping him, it's just another pass rusher that can come in and out. You've got him now, Pierre Paul, Kiwanuka, Justin Tuck. I mean, the list goes on and on. That's a very deadly combination of players that can come in. And when you're shuffling them in and out and keeping them fresh, they're going to cause some big problems for offensive tackles in the fourth quarter this season. Yeah, Jeff, uh, do you think we'll see uh, a vintage Yuma in 2010? Well, uh, yeah, I think he's going to play for the Giants next year. Uh, they've both they both sides of the organization and Ozinio Muro have said they want to stay and they want to keep him um, after the draft, and they said they're going to keep OC. So I really think they're going to keep him. Just like Joe said, they want to have that those four defensive ends and the four defensive tackles rotating in and out, keep the guys fresh, just like they did during the Super Bowl year. I really think they have they haven't filled the void since. Michael Strahan left, both in 2008 and 2009. The defensive line was terrible down the stretch. They couldn't get any sort of pass rush. They were exhausted. They were injured. They didn't have any depth. And now they have that depth to come back and be a force. I think they're going to get 40-plus sacks again this year and come back to being, playing big blue defense. Great point. Now, both of you guys have mentioned the importance of the defense returning to its uh, championship caliber form. Uh, in 2010, do you think that will be the major factor if, if Big Blue does go far, we'll start with Jeff here. Uh, yeah, definitely. I think the offense uh, played well enough to just to, for them to go to the playoffs where the defense just couldn't couldn't hack it week in and week out. And if the defense comes back, I really think they have the potential to be a top-five defense with all the weapons they brought in, with Antrell Roll, especially the Pro Bowl safety from Arizona. Uh, I think he, they really needed to get a safety, and they got him. That, that was a great addition. I think he's going to be a key factor in the Giants' deep run next year. And just the pass rush, like we said before, is going to be better and it's going to make the team better. Great point. Uh, now moving over uh, to Joe here, um, you mentioned uh, the surprise, but the very good pick with Philip Dillard. Um, does does uh, does rookie Philip Dillard have a good shot at winning the starting job right out of camp? 
you know, it'll be tough to see whether or not the Giants try to make any moves between now and when we get to August in terms of adding some more guys to the roster for competition. You know, Dillard's a guy with a lot of upside. He's a guy with potential. But, again, you know, he's going to need some time to adjust. And that middle spot in the Giants' defense, especially in the NFC East, it's a tough position. You've got to be on your game. You've got to have an understanding of the defense. So if he can come in and, and you know, assume a leadership role and, and get to a point where he can, you know, captain this defense – and make some good decisions and understand exactly what they're trying to do, he'll have an opportunity. I don't know if you'll see him in there right away, only because it's going to take some time to adjust. And I think with a guy like him, if you were looking for a guy to come in and start right away, they would have made the move to get up and grab a guy like Rolando McClain or possibly tried to make a move with Sean Weatherspoon at some point. But I think what you're looking at is I don't think he'll start right away, but they're going to look to get him in there as soon as possible. Great point. I'm joined on the sports docket right now by Joe Fortenbell of the National Football Post and Jeff Shaw of the Bleacher Report. Uh, now, if you look down this giant draft, you see that there's obviously a lot of rookies on it. Uh, we'll go over to Jeff here. How cautious are you about the Giants uh, with this team and a lot of rookies? Um, how, how cautious are you? Honestly, I'm real confident with the team they have coming into next year. I know they have a lot of young guys in the but uh, in the past, all their young guys have stepped in, especially the, from the top three or four rounds of the draft. Most of them have come in and stepped in and contributed right away and been key pieces to a winning season. So, honestly, I really don't have too much problem with the fact that we have a lot of rookies coming in and um, requiring a lot of, you know, production from those rookies right away because I think the team is pretty deep from an um, offensive and defensive standpoint. But how cautious do you think uh, the Giants – should be with their rookies. Okay. Um, do you think, okay. Well, honestly, I think JP, Jason Pierre-Paul is going to come in and have, like, a limited role. I don't think he's going to come in and, and play a lot uh, right off the bat. I think he's going to be just a like pass-rushing third-down specialist. And uh, Limbaugh Joseph is somebody who actually I think might come in and take on more of a role because of his sheer strength he has and his run-stopping run ability. I think they're going to throw him in right away because – Frankly, Rocky Bernard and uh, Chris Canty did not perform well last year. Uh, Chris Canty was coming off injuries, and Rocky Bernard was not the type of player they expected when they signed him off to Seattle. Uh, Chad Jones, he, he's really for depth. I don't think they're going to play him. So uh, I don't really know how cautious they're going to be with the rookies this year, but I don't think they have to be. Also, I guess another factor with this Giants team is, of course, playing in a new stadium. Uh, do you guys make anything of it, or do you think the Giants will adjust are just fine to their new new uh, stadium. We'll go over to Joe here. I don't think it's going to have any difference whatsoever. I mean, the, the thing's about 75 yards from where they played last season. Nicer facilities. The crowd might be a little more amped up for it, you know. But but for the most part, it'll be interesting to see if the wind plays as big a factor as it did at the old stadium. I know at uh, the, the old Meadowlands, the old Giant Stadium, those swirling winds used to play a big effect. I'm not sure if this new one's built in a, in the way that – that same effect's going to occur. It's going to be different, but I wouldn't be too concerned about it. Great point. And now uh, for the final question here, uh, we'll start with Jeff. Uh, come time to make a little bit of a prediction. With the team uh, that Big Blue has now, uh, what record and placing do you see them having in the NFC East? If you can make one. Uh, I actually wrote an article about this on Bleacher Report. I broke down the schedule game by game, and I think the best-case scenario is an 11-5 season. And but but my prediction for that on that article was ten and six. Uh, I think the Giants have drew drew some pretty tough divisions in the AFC North and the NFC North. 
That means they got to play the Vikings, the Colts, the Packers, the Bears, who upgraded this year, and the Texans, who are up on the rise. And uh, then they got to play Seattle, who um, looks like they're improving, but and that that's a road game. So they got they got a lot of tough games on this plate this year. I don't think they're going to have you know 13, 14 wins. Uh, but a playoff berth, you know, NFC East or wild card should should be on the uh, on the horizon. Now, Joe, uh, you said it with, with the way the draft went and the way you're looking at it right now, you see the Giants finishing second. Are you going to stick with that? Well, I, so I thought they were my, – my ranking was second in terms of how they came out in the uh, draft ranked against mm-hmm. everyone else. What I would say is basically I, – I think Jeff's right on it there. I think 10-6, and 9-7 is what they're looking at, and not so much because they're not a better football team, but because that schedule is going to be hell at certain points. You know, the NFC East – you don't have one team in that division you can take lightly, especially now that Donovan McNabb's in Washington. McNabb's had a lot of success in his career against the New York Giants. So, you know, you look at a team like Dallas, you look at a team like Philly, you look at a team like Washington, you could lose all six of those, you could win all six, you, you could split three and three. You know, it could go a lot of different ways. Those, are all, those, those, those games are all going to be extremely competitive. So just to get out of the division is going to be one thing. But, you know, again, like Jeff said, the Colts are on the roster this year. you got that road trip to Seattle, which is never easy. So you add it all up, and I, I think 10 wins is what you're looking at. Nine and seven wouldn't be, uh, wouldn't be a surprise either. But I, I, I would expect to see them in the playoffs. Great. Uh, before I let you guys go here, um, tell listeners where they can read your columns online and uh, clue us in to where we can follow you on Twitter. We'll start with Joe here. Uh, yep, I'm over at the nationalfootballpost.com. You guys can check us out, www.nfpost.com. We've got a lot going on every day. Fantasy is just going to be rolling out again in the near future. We're going to be breaking down college previews, division previews. Our top 25 is going to be coming out in a little while. So we've got a lot going on over there. So www.nfpost.com, and you can follow me on Twitter, at Joe Fortinball. You'll be able to find the spelling of my name on the website. Great. And uh, Jeff? Yeah, you can find me over at BleacherReport.com, uh, just www.bleacherreport.com. Got a lot of new exciting changes to the website, a lot of new formatting changes. Uh, coming out with some World Cup coverage and some fantasy football coverage. And uh, you can find me at Twitter at, uh, at Rocket Review because I cover the Rockets for the fan huddle. Right, great. Guys, thank you so much for coming on uh, and sharing all your insight. We hope to speak with you sometime down the line and go Big Blue. It's been a pleasure, guys. Thanks a lot. Thank you. That, of course, was Jeff Shaw on the Bleacher Report and Joe Fortenbaugh of the National Football Post. Joining us again at the top of the hour, about eight minutes from now, will be Paul Graziano of G-Men HQ. I'm looking forward to that. You want to call in the meanwhile? The number is 646-478-5118. You um, know, Chat with us over at chat with me over at Go Talk to Cloth. Again, if you want to send us an off-show um, voicemail, we will play in the air. And when Ace Man comes back, my co-host, we'll, either we'll both answer it, answer it or I'll answer it. Whenever works best, you can call us at one three one five four nine seven show. That's one three one five four nine seven seventy four sixty nine. Be sure to specify that for the sports docket, and we'll be happy to take your call. And, uh, of course, tonight, Mets are in action. The Yankees uh, got rained out in Detroit um, after last night's loss, the 5-4 loss to the uh, Detroit Tigers. Uh, the Yankees will play a day-night doubleheader tomorrow. 
and that series Yankees, of course, a half game behind the Rays right now in first place uh, in the uh, American League East. And the Mets right now uh, playing in Washington, uh, playing at home, hosting Washington, and uh, they trail six to one. The bottom of the fifth. Uh, John Meeks going to start tonight, and uh, the Nationals have been surprisingly good against the Mets in the early going. The Nationals have been actually surprisingly good team. The Nationals uh, showing the Phillies uh, only by two games and having the Mets right now in the, in the division after last night, after last night's 3-2 win over the Mets. So uh, Friday, Washington Nationals um, leading the Mets 6-1 to one right now, uh, a 3-1 first and a 3-1 fifth inning, and um, Scott Olson pitching uh, for the Nats. And, uh, yeah, it's been a surprising goal. And, and the Nationals don't even have uh, the prospect uh, Strasburg yet. And he's uh, right now in AAA Syracuse, and he'll be coming up soon uh, to pitch for the major leagues. And then they'll really have a dangerous team in that division. So they've been very surprising. And um, it was about time for them to get it going. Again, in about six minutes now, Paul Graziano of G-Men HQ will be joining us here right on the sports docket. Uh, we can take a call before then, as always, 646-478-5118. It's our first show uh, since January of the sports docket, and next time we'll be on will be episode 60. That should be a milestone. Uh, Asen will probably be joining us for the next one, so you don't want to miss that. Number to call in is always 646-478-5118. Uh, at the moment, um, in the NBA playoffs, uh, you already have the Western Conference set. Uh, Lakers with the Lakers swept. The low Suns of Phoenix also with the sweep. Uh, and it'll be Lakers and Suns for the Western Conference Finals. And I think uh, for anybody... Um, you would have expected them to the playoffs. Uh, both teams, uh, well, at least the Lakers would have penciled in there. But uh, the Suns have uh, finally um, beaten the Spurs. They've finally proven themselves uh, in that regard. And, uh, yep, a, a sweep in that series. Every game, the, the Suns do what they do best, scoring in the uh, triple digits. And they... I mean, they, uh, I wouldn't say they killed the Spurs in every game, but they, uh, they, they definitely did not make it too close, uh, including in game three when they won by over 20 points. Or almost 20 points, but Lakers over the Jazz in four games. Um, surprisingly, the Thunder gave the Lakers a better series than Utah did, and this is the first time that the Thunder even made it in. Uh, and then, of course, in the Eastern Conference, you have the Orlando Magic once again uh, moving on, and they're waiting to see who wins the series uh, between Cleveland and um, and Boston right now. And that series, of course, knotted up uh, right now at two games apiece with uh, Game 5 going on right now. Um, and, of course, Knicks fans are eagerly watching this game, hope, hoping that they'll see LeBron James suiting up uh, in the orange and blue come uh, next season. But, again, Knicks fans, you shouldn't be cashing it in too much. I think right now the Knicks probably do have a better shot of Wade than uh, 
Cavaliers, considering that Dwayne Wade, another early exit um, in the uh, in the Eastern Conference playoffs for Miami, but should be fun to watch to see uh, the boys. Of course, we got a pencil in the Nets and the Bulls for a chance for LeBron James. Um, will will the, will the Guardian become Jamestown? I don't know. We'll have to see about that. But I sure hope that uh, the Knicks can make a run at some free agents, uh, whether it be uh, Chris. Bosch or or uh, or Dwayne Wade or LeBron James, just something um, to get a Knicks a better chance to win at least 30 games. Uh, of course, if they get a Wade or a LeBron, uh, it's going to change the whole dynamic of that franchise. Um, and if you got if you, if you have to get rid of a David Lee in order to get a LeBron James, I would do it. No question about it. A couple minutes from now, we will be joined by Paul Graziano of gmenhq.com to talk uh, Giants, uh, who will be joining us here at the top of the hour. Uh, of course, you can always check us out on Twitter, update twitter.com slash sportsdoc, and on Facebook, got almost 100 fans now, so facebook.com slash sportsdoc, and you can check that out um, every be heading on to our 60th episode. That should be fun um, right here on uh, Blog Talk Radio. I'm going to call in, 646-478-5118, as always. Um, again, broadcast from Brooklyn tonight. Of course, um, Stephen in Hofstra right now, Ace Man, my co-host, and he'll be back in a little bit soon. He'll be joining us on the other side, so that should be fun. Um Another update on the Mets game right now. They have gone into the box of the fifth. The Mets, two of the bases loaded, trailing 6-1. to one. Reyes is up against Scott Wilson. Uh The Mets trying to rally here uh, with one out in the bottom of the fifth. Hopefully they'll be able to come back in this ballgame. But we'll see what happens. Six four six four seven eight five one one eight. That's the number, as always. Uh, momentarily, we'll be joined by Paul Graziano of G-Men HQ, uh, popular Giants blog uh, on the fan side of network. That should be fun to uh, take a listen to once he comes on. And yeah, so definitely keep it with us. Uh, you can call him by anything here at sports. Uh, you can even talk Tiger Woods, golf, has become a more of a topic now in a lot of markets because of the uh, Tiger Woods issues, and um, we've been talking about that as well. Six four six four seven eight five zero one eight. That's the number. As always, make sure you press one when you call into our program. But yeah, I mean, we're looking forward to. Uh, Hopefully, better things for the Knicks and Nets in the future, uh, and especially uh, the Nets coming to Brooklyn and the Knicks. Uh, you know, uh, hopefully, Knicks. Uh, you know, with that whole Tracy McGrady um, deal, hopefully, clear enough some space on that roster, and hopefully, they'll be able to get some free agents that are worth it. for this team to continue on. So we'll see about that. 
come in their future. And joining us right now of G-Men HQ is Paul Graziano. Paul, thanks for coming on tonight. Mr. Kaufman, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. Uh, I want to thank you for coming. Once again, I want to thank you for coming on tonight, and uh, hopefully uh, you can tell us why the Giants or, or did not draft as well as uh, everybody's been saying they did. Well, you know, when we talk about the draft, Ethan, and I think you would agree with me, we're looking at a process that it really does take two to three, four years to evaluate a draft class. Now, that's not to say you don't have first-year players come in and contribute, maybe even start or play a significant role. We remember uh, fondly the 2007 draft class, Jerry Reese's first uh, for taking over, after taking over Ernie DeCourcy's, uh spot as GM, and he picked gold everywhere from, you know, at that point, Aaron Ross in the first round was a, a thought to be a pretty good pick. Obviously, perhaps some would say his star has faded a bit, but if you remember, Ahmad Bradshaw's a seventh-round pick in 2007, and uh, lots of Giants fans are still high on him, albeit he's coming back from some injuries. So, you know, there's always a little caution of how we try to grade a draft class, but... If we look at the 2010 draft, it was all about defense. The only offensive player the Giants picked was in the fifth round out of Arkansas guard Mitch Petrus, who uh, to a lot of people looks like a clone of Rich Seibert. I don't know if you've looked at this kid, but he plays mean, he plays nasty, and uh, with a little, uh, all with the aging of Rich Seibert in the interior line, questions uh, about how long or, or how well he can hold up, I like the Mitch Peters pick. Um, that's one of my favorite picks of this draft because in the NFC East, you've got to be able to win the football. And I think we all saw is even though the Giants had a great, uh, say, offensive passing game for the better part of most of 2009, we didn't run the ball very well. Brandon Jacobs was nicked up. You had uh, Derek Ward in Tampa Bay. They lost his production. Ahmad Bradshaw kind of replaced that, but he was injured and nicked up. And then we, fourth-round draft pick, Andre Brown, in 2009, never saw the field. He uh, tore his Achilles heel uh, in training camp. So to sum it up, I guess, you know, it, it's hard to evaluate draft classes. I like the Giants draft class. JPP is a pure boom and bust pick. What can Giants fans expect out of him in 2010? My take is, if he plays a significant role on pure passing situations, third down situations, the kind of uh, giant defense where you see everyone pinning their ears back and they go after the quarterback, a la 2007, you know, I, I think Giants fans should be pretty happy about that. He's got all the physical tools. You'd like to see him add another 5, 10 pounds, and he's got to get uh, used to the pro game. I, I, I don't know if you saw the uh, – rookie mini-camp training uh, session that just went on in May, he struggled with a little back injury. People said he may be out of shape. I always think it's a little too early to get too high or too low on any of these draft picks or rookie free agents in the first uh, mini-camp. That's just my take. I, I, I think Giants fans shouldn't worry too much about JPP because ideally he's not going to be uh, called on to play a significant role. 
I love Linval Joseph in round two. I think that could be the kind of pick that brings this defense back to the Giants defense we've remembered in 2007. And that's the kind of defense that is ridiculously good against the run. Giants defense got ran over time and time again in 2009. I think everyone remembers week eight, Leonard Weaver, who is a quasi-running back, more of a fullback, running for 40-plus yards on the Giants' defense in Lincoln Field, that one play tells me that Jerry Reese, John Merritt, Tom Coughlin were going to do anything they could to bolster the inside of that defense. And Linval Joseph is a big guy. He's 6'4", 320, and he can move. And when Tom Coughlin says something positive about a rookie draft pick, uh, even in the first dose case, you gotta listen and you gotta take you gotta think Linval Joseph is gonna play a big role on the interior of that defense. If not just even this year, definitely down the line. You've got Barry Cofield who will be an unrestricted free agent, provided we're gonna have football in two thousand eleven. We don't know what we're gonna get from Chris Candy. Uh he was a colossal bust as a free agent, but to give be fair to Chris Candy the guy came uh, from Dallas. He had never had any injuries. It's the same thing with Michael Bowley. So, you know, you, you kind of hope Chris Candy's going to be able to, to give an inside pass rush, knock down a few passes, be able to penetrate on the inside. And I can absolutely see a situation where Linval Joseph is starting on the Giants' defensive line uh, midway through the year or at least playing a significant role uh, on first and second downs as a rotational lineman with Barry Cofield. You don't know what you're going to get out of Jay Alford coming back from knee surgery. I think everyone was pretty high on him uh, after the uh, fourth quarter Super Bowl sack at Tom Brady. Um, but you don't know. So the Linval Joseph pick not only filled the need, but the Giants had a uh, late first-round draft pick uh, draft grade on him. So to get him where they got him was nice. Now, with that being said, we're all screaming about middle linebacker position. Antonio Pierce is released. No one, I think, reasonably believes Jarris Wilkinson is going to be uh, able to make a switch from the outside where he couldn't stay healthy to a more physical inside position. I wonder if he's even going to make the roster. Um, and you've got Jonathan Goff, who, yeah, the Giants may be a little high on him. He showed some flashes. He's actually pretty quick. But he missed some tackles, too. So, you know, I think a lot of Giants fans were screaming for Sean Lee or Darrell Washington, who went, I think, one spot after the Cardinals. That's the kind of decision that Jerry Reese is going to get raked over the coals over. A, if Linval Joseph isn't going to – it doesn't produce and contribute in year one, and the Giants' run defense is awful. But more importantly, if we're still looking at a situation where Jonathan Goff, Philip Dillard in the fourth round, where these guys obviously are starting but by default. So I think Jerry Reed looked at it and said, you know what, if we go ahead and get a guy like Linval Joseph on the inside, and he comes back and plays strong, and we get the typical production from a healthy Justin Tuck on, on the right side, maybe the O.C. Human Urine Kiwi can actually generate a pass rush on the left, then we can wait on our middle linebacker. Um, I do think the Giants were very high on Philip Dillard. They talked about drafting him in round three. They went with Chad Jones, who I, I really think down the road, the kid has all of the athleticism and potential to be a star. 
how much he contributes right now, I don't know, because you kind of hope he's not going to contribute because that would probably mean you've got a, a relatively healthy uh, Kenny Phillips or at least Deion Grant uh, not playing as a liability next to Antrell Wall. So, you know, it's hard to trade the Giants draft, but overall I think they've got brought in guys that might be able to make an impact. The guys I see making the biggest impact in this year, I say are Lynn Paul Joseph, and I really like Phil Dillard. And I don't like him because I don't have any choice, but I do like him. I think he might be the kind of guy that can step in and basically uh, run to the football, you know, and you hope that yep. flanked by Michael Bowley on the weak side, he's able to do some things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely a lot of great points there. Uh, and, and one thing which uh, was a really good point was about how it's too early right now to evaluate this draft. You have to wait a couple of years before we're going to evaluate the class of 2010. In terms of need, though, do you think the Giants fell short at all in this draft? You know, I'll tell you this. I was surprised somewhat that the Giants stayed put uh, at running back. That was a, a, a pretty good shock to me. And I can forgive the Giants waiting until round five to get an interior offensive lineman because I think Mitch Petras could be a very good one. And I think he's a Giants type of offensive lineman. But running back, when you consider, I think Brandon Jacobs averaged 3.4 yards per carry. And as much as we love the big guy, we love to see him punish people, a la the uh, Andre Woodson championship game in 2007 to to start the – or Charles Woodson, excuse me, to start uh, that game. The guy has never been able to stay healthy. Ahmad Bradshaw is a change-of-pace type of back. You're not going to give him the ball 20 times a game. And even even if you think he's going to play a bigger role with the consistent foot and ankle injuries, it's a question mark. You got fourth-round draft pick Andre Brown from 2009 who never saw the field with an Achilles injury. And I can't think of any running back last 10 years or even beyond that's been able to come back and play strong and fast and regain their pre-injury form coming back from an Achilles heel injury. So I worry about running back. I I don't know about you, but I don't have any confidence in Danny Ware. He was supposed to be our breakout Derek Ward type of surprise, a Ryan Grant kind of guy that's, you know, on the edge of the roster, third, fourth, fifth guy on the running back totem pole. Uh, but he didn't do a thing, and he got injured, and he never really showed the Giants enough, I think, to have some confidence. Giants didn't bring in anyone from on the free agency front, so you would have thought they might go uh, grab a running back in the later rounds of the draft. Yeah, definitely. We're joined right now by Paul Graziano of G-Men HQ. Now, you mentioned on your blog how it seems lately there have been more rumors about OCU Manure than Justin Bieber. Uh, what do you... Uh, what do you know about the? Or what do we know about the status of Human Yora uh, with Big Blue, and how much of an impact should we expect from him in uh, 2010? Well, if you if, let's be fair to Osi, he's a, he's a, a pure pass rusher off the edge. Even before 2009, and obviously he missed all the way with his knee injury. He was never. Uh, a Michael Strahan type, or now obviously a Justin Tuck type. And what I mean by that is a guy that's going to give you a pass rush, but also just be ridiculously good against the run. One of Michael Strahan's, the most underrated thing about Michael Strahan, not, is, is his ability to penetrate and disrupt running plays. 
I mean, Giants' Justin Tuck kind of does that on that side and, and, and is a very good run defender. But I think what the Giants need at OCU Minura is a 10-plus sack season. Now, whether they get it or not is another question because he's going to be splitting time with Matthias Kiwanuka. But you got to figure that Perry Stuhl, the Giants' defensive coordinator, is going to do everything he can to get Kiwanuka, Tuck, Yuminura, uh rushing the quarterback on pure passing situations. you got to think Perry Fuel is going to unleash Clint Stentham, and we're going to find out if the kid's flashes are for real. And hopefully JPG contributes. But going back to Yuminura, you know, he still had seven and a half sacks last year. He played the run horribly. But, but we all know that. He's never going to be a great run defender. If he can at least be competent, uh, you know, I think the Giants would take it. But they need him to be the kind of guy that's going to command double teams off the edge. I don't think he's happy. Uh, but I think he's smart enough to realize, and hopefully Michael Strahan is still whispering in his ear and he's listening. He's smart enough to realize that if he's going to get a big payday, He's going to have to have a big 2010 year. Giants have him at a very affordable rate. I think there's another at least two years, maybe three years deal. Uh, can't be more, I, you know, and I don't know off the top of my head, cannot be more than an average of $3 million a year, which if you're getting 7 to 10 to 12 sacks, that's pretty good in the NFL. So, you know, if he really wants to get his payday and he really wants to reclaim his position as one of the top pass rushers off the edge, he's going to have to have a big – so the guy's got every bit of motivation. I don't think he's ever going to become a huge problem in the locker room, and i got to think that, you know, Tom Coughlin's not going to allow it either. The one thing that worries me about OCU Manura is uh, if you read between the lines on his comments when former defensive coordinator Bill Sheridan was fired – he mentioned he had a good relationship with him and that Sheridan wasn't responsible for his benching. Well, that means Tom Coughlin was. So this, in my mind, is a make-or-break year. The Giants, I think, were wise to hold on to him because pass rushers off the edge are hard to find. He's still in his prime. He's a year removed off the new surgery. If they didn't get any kind of – apparently they weren't even going to listen to offers. Um makes sense to me that they keep him because this is a push-comes-to-shove year. If the Giants' defense is not good enough or and or we don't make the playoffs, Tom Coughlin's likely gone. If OCU Manure at least plays well in 2010, he's going to stay. So in my mind, Jerry Reese was in a low-lose situation. Coughlin's on the hot seat. Reese is on the hot seat. And if Manure doesn't play up to his contract and, and he's going to create a problem, He's going to be out after 2010, too. That's my guess, that they'll start listening to offers or they'll start saying, you know, shopping them a little bit. But I don't – I do believe that they never truly were interested in dealing him uh, as it came down to the draft, restoring the draft. Uh, I think that was more rumors and conjecture than anything else. Now, everybody, uh, seem, including you, seems to be loving this, this Philip Dillard pick. Uh, do you think the rookie has any shot – at winning the starting job right out of camp? You know, part of me says, how comfortable are we going to feel with a rookie middle linebacker? You've got Clint Sintham, a second-year player with very little starting experience on the strong side. 
and you've got Michael Bowley, at least a veteran on the weak side, uh, who really came on at the end of the year, I thought, and started to look like the Michael Bowley we thought we had signed, a guy that can use his speed to make plays and be disruptive uh, in, a, in a lot of different ways. Um, with that being said, Philip Dillard, he's really in the same boat as Jonathan Goff. Goff's got like four starts. So absent the Giants bringing in a veteran middle linebacker, or anyone, and I can't think of anyone uh, right now that's either a street free agent or who may be let go that is going to make the Giants, uh, you know, bring them in and compete for the job. The only thing I can think of possibly, and this is just in my head, I've got no knowledge, but it makes sense to me, is what are the Chiefs doing with Derek Johnson? He's a guy that doesn't really fit the 3 4. There were a lot of issues last year with him and Casey. I think he's a guy I bring in for a, a mid to late round pick for next year if the Giants could grab him. But is he a starting middle linebacker or a true middle linebacker? Probably not. So I guess to go back to answer your question, I see Dillard as having every bit of a chance to start as Goff because you're still looking at the same guy, a guy with inexperience in the middle. So if Dillard at least shows the ability to make plays, and everything we hear about the kid is he's a film study junkie. He likes to call the defense and get everyone lined up. And that's the kind of guy you need in the middle. So that's why I think the Giants are high on him. Um, I don't care that he's just over six foot. Look at London Fletcher. It doesn't bother me one bit in the league. You can survive in this league. You diagnose plays, and you have good instincts, and you fly to the ball. All indications are Dillard to be that kind of guy. We'll have to see. Okay. We'll definitely have to see. No doubt about that. And uh, now for our final question, uh, comes down to make a little bit of a prediction here. Um, with the team that Big Blue has now, uh, what record and placing uh, do you see them having uh, in the NFC East? With the schedule the way it is, um, I actually think, you know, this is a giant team to me that is a – extremely dangerous uh, if the cards fall right, which is, uh, I guess, uh, uh, saying, you know, if I win the lottery tomorrow. But if the cards fall right, this is a Giants team that I think at a minimum is fighting for a wild card and really can compete for the title because I think, you know, Dallas is a good football team. They don't have a – didn't have a, a lot of offseason additions. Um even if you look at their draft, yes, I like Des Bryant, but do first-year wide receivers make huge impacts? Typically not. Um, I see Dallas's offensive line with the release of uh, Flozell, which I know is not going to cause any tears in New York, uh, as a possible weak link. I don't trust Tony Romo uh, any more than anyone else does or should, I think. So he's, not, he's a good quarterback, but I think at the end of the day, he makes mistakes and has to, it, when, he, when he can least afford to uh, see Phillip Rivers in San Diego. Same deal. Uh, so I think the Giants have every opportunity. I, I wouldn't call Philly a rebuilding year, but you lose Donovan McNabb, and that's significant uh, any way you slice it. I don't care if Kevin Cold comes in and is a fantasy quarterback stud. Donovan McNabb is Donovan McNabb. He's a true Hall of Famer. He's a classy guy. And, you know, I think he was a locker room leader. So you've got a little drop-off, I think, in Philly a little bit. You know, when you look at the veterans they've lost over the last two years between Dawkins, Westbrook, 
Donovan McNabb, obviously. So, um, and obviously, you know, you look at Washington and they gain McNabb, but can they keep him healthy behind that offensive line? And are they, how is their transition as a 3-4 defense going to be? So I look at uh, the Giants having a good opportunity in what should be a very, very competitive division. I think the NFC East offensive capabilities are uh, the best they ever have been. So we'll, we'll, the, the true test for the Giants is, is that defense going to be, uh, well, how much better can that defense be this year? Did Jerry Reese bring in the right pieces? Uh, does Kenny Phillips return to health? So there's a plenty of questions, but I see it at the end of the day. Uh, I go with the 10-6, and six, and I see them as a, either a wild card or I think 10-6 and six can win the East. Well, I sure hope that uh, that comes true. Before I let you go here, just tell our listeners uh, where they can read your blog online. I appreciate it, Ethan. Thank you. Um, please go to gmenhq.com, G-N-E-N-H-Q.com. We post five days a week. We try to post multiple times per day. Obviously, it's a little bit slower time of year, but it just gives us an opportunity now to, to talk Giants football and guess what if and what may be. So we welcome new uh, readership, and we definitely uh, really appreciate being uh, a guest on your show tonight. Great. Thank you for coming on, sharing your insight, and uh, hope to keep you sometime down the line, and go blue. Take care. God bless, and uh, I'm sure we will talk again and again. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Stay blue. Yep. Of course, was Paul Graziano at HMIN. G-Men at HQ. You can check it out over at uh, gmenhq.com. Great stuff from uh, Graziano. I got about a couple minutes to go on our program. You can always call in 646-478-5018. We always have interesting people in our chat room uh, talking. So that's over at blogtrainer.com. Stop me. You can always aim me if, you're, if you have uh, one of those uh, Blackberry phones with the Information you can always aim me there as well over at Go Talk to Quas. And you want to leave us an, an off air voicemail, uh, we'll hopefully be able to check in in time for our upcoming shows and we can actually play them and, and, and excuse me, and respond to them. That's over at um, just call number 1315 497 show. That's 315 Sports docket or each SD before you text or call, and there's a good chance that your voicemail will be played on the air, and uh, either myself or Ace Man or both of us will get a chance to respond to your comments or question or insight uh, through those uh, through that medium. Number as always is um, as you know it's six four six four seven eight five one eight seven. A couple updates right now uh, at the half, the Celtics on top of the. Um, Cavaliers 50 to 44 as uh, the uh, as the Celtics trying to go up three games to two on Cleveland again. LeBron James still does not have that uh, NBA final, uh, does not have that championship, and Boston does, uh, or at least uh, this Boston team does, and um, so LeBron James still has to prove himself uh, in this round of the playoffs. And, of course, Knicks fans are eagerly watching this game, hopefully he comes here. 
Number is 646-478-5187. We're going to close out now. Number is 646-478-5187. You can also send us an off-show text at 1315-497-SHOW. That's the number, as always. Uh, Check us out uh, over there as well. Um, Thanks to uh, Joe Fortenbrow, Jeff Show, and Paul Gardner and our listeners. I'm Ethan Clarkson. Talk to you next time. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.